Welcome, everyone, to the Flourish We Grow Together podcast. This is Laura DeFrancesco, founder and CEO of Flourish Coworking Space and Dean Street Law. Flourish is a lush, sustainable, and inspiring space to co-work, host events, and more than anything, build community. And although we are located in Westchester, Pennsylvania, we are brought to you all over the world through our online community and the We Grow Together podcast. And it makes me so happy that we've been able to expand and pivot. And I'm here today with my co-hosts, Lindsay DeFrancesco and Casey Fluharty. Hi, everyone. It's Lindsay, the co-founder of Flourish. And I'm Casey, the community manager of Flourish. And we had such an incredible, incredible conversation with Chris Sieri, who is the founder and CEO of Franklin and Whitman, a cruelty-free, vegan, conscious skincare brand in the Philadelphia area that has products that are absolutely incredible that I love and use every single day. Their products are amazing, and honestly, you fall more in love with the products, too, just from talking with him. Like, I already loved his products and used them, and now after speaking with him, I'm like, wow, like, I love them that much more. They are just – it's honestly more than just skincare. There's such a mission and a passion behind the products, so that was just so inspiring to listen to. Totally. In this episode, we talk a lot about – Chris and how he is living his passion right now. And I feel like he is so genuine and thoughtful with everything that he does. And I feel like it speaks through the brand. And I feel like anyone who has been on their website, been on their Instagram, followed an influencer that they've partnered up with, everything is so genuine. So it was really awesome to have a conversation with him. And we actually didn't even enter the episode because we just got right into the conversation. So with that said, there is actually no intro for this episode besides what's going on right now. So let's just jump into the conversation. Would you... Would you ever just like not have takeout or delivery, even if it was like a four or five star restaurant? Like what's his name? Um, Vernick was like, every one of my restaurants is going to have some type of like takeout and delivery moving forward, even the highest ones, just because I have to be prepared for this to happen again. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, it really is. I started recording because I was gold, everything you were saying, but we'll have to recircle back and get the whole thing. Totally. Ask me whatever you, I'm totally transparent. You can ask me anything. If you need me to like um, repeat something, <laughs> let me know. My dogs are in the house. So if they start barking and it's too crazy, we can like pause and like go back. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Us too. And um, we have everybody on separate tracks to make that easy too. So gotcha. <laughs> well, I'm loving the system you have here. Like when I've done my podcast, it's always in person and you know, just because of how I communicate and I've done a couple of remote ones where I've been the guest and it's always like just very awkward. And I'm like, how do you do with all the different tracks? And I'm like, when I logged in, so I have to tell you a really funny story about the journey to us talking right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I missed the, the, um, the first appointment. Yeah. I missed the first appointment because I put it on my calendar for actually the week before. So the week before we were supposed to record, 
I'm at Franklin and Whitman and I'm like, oh crap, we're recording a podcast at 4 p.m. So I like throw all my employees out. And that day happened to be like insanely windy out. And everywhere I sat with my microphone, you know, I set up my Yeti, you would hear the wind. So I wound up like barricading myself in this corner where there wasn't all this like background noise. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, it's four o'clock. Okay. Then it's like 4.05. And I'm like, it's 4.10. I'm like, hmm, you know, like they're late for their own podcast. This is really interesting. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe I have like the wrong link. So I go to the link and I'm like, oh my God, it's next week. And I'm like, holy crap. So I like, you know, shut down Chrome and then I just move the calendar date. But instead of moving it from like Thursday to Thursday, for some weird reason, I moved it to Tuesday. So no, I think our recording was on a Tuesday. I moved it to a Thursday. So on Tuesday, you guys reach out and you're like, hey, we're here. And I'm like, oh my God, I thought it was Thursday. So <laughs> I, I, I made one that wasn't scheduled and I missed the one that was scheduled. <laughs> and then I thought it was two days after. And now we're here today and I'm like, oh my God, we're recording today. So uh, I'm glad you were patient with me and flexible with me. And you know, even though it's a month later, I'm glad we're finally talking. Oh, us too. And don't worry about it at all. That happens to me literally all the time. And and beyond that, I think that anybody right now is having difficulty keeping track of time with coronavirus because it just honestly, weeks blend into each other, yeah. days blend into each other. It's, we're all living in a casino right now. You <laughs> never know what time it is. You don't know like what day of the week it is. It's like, what is this? So, um, and I, I remember thinking like, oh my God, it's a month from now. Well, at least everything will be back to normal by then. And now it's not only not normal, it's even worse now because of then social injustice issues that are happening. It's crazy. It's so true. Yeah, it really is. The 2020 has been quite a challenging time, yeah. I think, for business leadership. Absolutely. Because we've always felt that it's so important to be the change that you want to see in the world, whether that's with respect to sustainability or social injustices or leading the nation through a pandemic. As small as we are and as small as our company is, I think that being the people as a leader no matter how big your community is, is so important. So we were very proactive with the coronavirus and pandemic shutting down before they asked us to and everything. And it's been a challenging time. I told Lindsay, this: these are the moments that you learn to be a leader more so than you ever could if you're just taking a course. Oh, absolutely. I th I've thought about that so many times right now. And I've always... You know, I sit there and it's always a fine line because it's like we talk about animal rights all the time because it's our social mission. But, you know, then we'll speak out sometimes about human rights and I'll get these like wild DMs from people just like just saying like the craziest stuff. And I'm just like, like, first of all, if we're for animal rights, like, of course, we're for human rights. And like nothing that we talk about is political. It's just about rights. And it's about all of these things. And why are you surprised if we ever, you know, I remember we spoke out about the border separations with the families. And, you know, that seems like that was like 10 years ago, but I don't even know, it was probably like a year ago. And I'm sitting there and I remember it was 5 a.m. and I was up and I was just so sick of everything that I was reading, not sick of reading it, but sick of what I was reading and what I was seeing. So I'm like, I just have to like, it's going to make me feel better to do this. And I have this weird role with myself that if I'm about to say something or do something that is going to make me feel better. I actually try to pause myself because in 15 minutes, I'm going to look back and be like, was that the right thing to do just because of an emotional reaction? But I was sitting there and I'm like, I have to, I can't be quiet. And when you're uncomfortable being quiet, like that's the time you have to speak out. And I remember I did a bunch of stories just about separations and human rights and how these are families and just the DMs that I got back 
just blew my mind to things that people were saying. And I'm sitting there and, you know, we lost, I think the total number was 3000 followers in a week after we did it. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow, like that's like, you know, we had, we have like 59,000 followers. That's a huge chunk, but I'm just sitting there. I'm like, well, I don't want those people to be my customers. Quite honestly, like there's a gajillion natural skincare brands out there. Like go for one. That's just like being neutral right now. And we're choosing not to be neutral. Um, and I spoke to other people about it and they were like, well, some people are just shocked because you're not, you're not that way all the time. It has to be a more consistent message. So it's tough as a business owner to, you don't want to pick and choose, but you can't always be like hitting your followers over the head with some social message, but you want to use your platform for good. And, you know, it's, I always have that internal battle of, you know, where do you draw the line? Like, when do you just sort of not do something when it sits in your stomach? And then when do you fight the good fight? Um, it's hard and there's no class that teaches it. And you just have to sort of go by your moral compass. Yeah. And I think that the hard thing is that there is no class that teaches it. There is no class that teaches when to speak up and when to just continue to make change, but to make change behind the scenes. Because I think we all see on social media what we're sharing, which is super important. But the thing that everybody doesn't see is every action that we take behind that. And that that is such a fraction of what we do. But it's so important when you have such a big platform, I think, to be the leader and to be the change that you want to see. And and something that we've been focusing on is to use our platform to sh- spread the light on unheard voices and spread the light on those who need the speakerphone, so to say, at this time. Sure. I mean, I always say when, you, when you're in the darkness and you can't see the light, you have to be that light. And like, not all people or businesses or owners or whatever want to take that responsibility responsibility on. It makes them feel uncomfortable. But my view is like when it does, that means it's the right thing to do. When you feel uncomfortable, it's the thing that like nothing good comes from a safe space, quite honestly. Um, so it's like you have to speak out. And, you know, like I, I just don't want to be a kind of company that and I'm not judging other companies, but I, I don't want to run a company that is silent on all issues. I can't sleep at night if I was that way. And we make decisions all the time that are more about sleeping at night, like that sole decision rather than a bottom line decision. And, you know, sometimes the financial people like my bookkeeper and stuff like that, they, they wish I was less that way because, you know, we use things like vegetable starch packing peanuts that cost 10 times what normal packaging materials cost. But you can get those vegetable peanuts and you can put them in your garden. They biodegrade. You can melt them in your sink under warm water and they're perfectly safe for the water system. But like if I went the more economical route, then they would eat at me internally. And I'm too emotional of a person to, to make those kinds of decisions just to based upon a bottom line. I mean, I have to keep my business, my business in business, but like if that means, you know, a number is slightly different or lower. Um, and I feel better about what we're doing for the world. And I'm going to make that decision a hundred times out of a hundred. And the people that want to judge me, I'm like, start your own business then. And then make the shitty decisions. Like that's, that's, that's on you. This is my business. I'm the hundred percent owner of my business. And I'm going to make these decisions as long as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And that was something that drew us to you so much. Lindsay was so excited as soon as she saw the packing peanuts from that wonderful gift that you gave us to celebrate our grand opening and everything. Chris provided 
face masks for all of our attendees and everything, which was an incredible, incredibly generous gift to give such a new business. And Lindsay opened up the package and was so delighted by those packaging peanuts. It just shows that you care about the same things that we care about. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, you bond with people and you find people through this piece of glass in your hand that is your phone. And I always believe like the universe brings the people that vibrate at the same frequency together, whether they're next to you or 3000 miles away through a digital device. But like, that's who we are. And I'm never going to change that for as long as I run the business. You know, it's like I've, I've done all the hard stuff and I've, I take all the crap that it is, that is a part of running a business. So I might as well do the things that, you know, make me happy or bring me joy and also do the things that like help me sleep at night. I keep on saying that, but it's so important to me to be able to know that we're making the right decision and not the right decision about a business decision. It's just the right decision. I want to be a good person before I'm like a good business owner, you know? Definitely. And I think that ultimately what we're here to do is to serve our community. And sometimes that means that we are speaking out on certain topics in order to serve them, like they need to hear these things. Like we need to share this together so that we can all grow, whether it's a topic on social justice or it's a topic on sustainability, um, what have you. It's, it's ultimately because like we are here to build a community and the type of community that we want to be a part of. Absolutely. And that's the most important thing is just to, you know, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown and, um, she always talks about like, you know, you want to belong to a group and as humans, we want to find those people that are sort of like-minded. You can't do it too, too much because then all of a sudden these like factions form and you need to talk to people that are completely different than you. But her, her line is, you know, you got to move in and meet the person as a human being. Like it's really easy to scream from afar, but when you move in and you meet that person as a, as a human being and you tell your story, that person tells their story. You might not change each other's minds, but you're going to appreciate who they are and why they are the way they are. And there's, everyone has those like thousands of stories that sort of bring them to who they are right now. But yeah, it's, it's just super important to find like-minded people and you want to feel safe, but then also you have to go outside of your bubble. And I think right now, especially in the world today, we're seeing this week, it's like just being silent or neutral is not good enough. You have to actually speak out, speak your mind. But also what I'm learning this week is Sometimes I just got to shut up and listen and learn and open my mind and hear other people's stories because, you know, coming from a point of of privilege, I can never know what it's like to be in that person's shoes. So instead of just spouting off, I'm going to sit there and say, you know, I don't know enough and just tell me and teach me and let me read about it. And, you know, I'll come out of here with a different point of view. So important because, you know, in the end, like, dude, what fun is it to be the same person for like 90 years? It's it's boring to be the same person for 90 years. I want to constantly change and constantly better myself. I want to be a better version of myself tomorrow than I was today. And you're not always successful, but if you just keep going in that positive direction, even if you're crawling, I mean, after a whole entire lifetime, think about how like evolved you'll be by the time it's all over. That's so, so true. And it's always been such a mantra of ours with our, saying we grow together to constantly be in evolution and be growing. We made a quick decision. We have our book club meeting this Thursday, and we made a quick decision yesterday to change our book for June to be me and 
white supremacy by Layla Saad. And it has been I, I think it's going to be an incredible book. And from what I've read so far, I'm about halfway through. It's a really important book to understand how to be a good ancestor. And that's something that I've been really leaning into is that I don't want to just exist on this earth anymore. I want to be an incredible ancestor for generations and generations to come. Oh, that's awesome. I love that saying. Yeah. Do you have anything that you've found in terms of books that you mentioned or or anything that's spoken to your soul? Um, I mean, I'm not a huge reader these days. I don't have time. I do a lot of audiobooks. So um on that topic, no. The last book I read was Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. And when I say read, I listened to it because it was her audiobook. I just I think I have ADHD right now. I can't read anymore. But that book spoke to me. Like I remember I was coming home from Boston from a charity event that we did. And I'm always really super emotional after our charity events because I put so much of my time and energy and effort into it. And I was like driving back by myself. I had like a hundred yoga mats in the back of my car. And I'm like, I was like exhausted. And I'm like, I was feeling none of the music I was listening to. And I'm like, you know what? I just, I'm going to download. I'll do Audible. I'll do Brene Brown. I'll do Braving the Wilderness. And the first chapter she's talking about just like how as a child, she never fit into a group. And just, just these horrible, not horrible stories, but sad stories. And I'm like bawling as I'm driving down 95, listening to her talk about being like this, you know, eight-year-old being not invited to certain parties or invited to certain parties. And her whole story was, you know, she grew up in, I think it was Texas and her name is Brene Brown. So when they would do birthday parties for the young kids. They would go by the class list. And of course, everything was just totally segregated. So she would never be invited to like the white children's birthday parties, but she would always be invited um, to the black children's birthday parties because her name was Brene Brown. And then she would show up and everyone would be like, oh, okay, you're, you're white. So she never fit in even from like the youngest of age all the way up through high school and into college. And she's telling these stories and I'm just like sobbing, listening to them. And like, you want to go back in time and just like hug this person and be like, it's going to be okay. But then what I realized is she wouldn't be who she was today without that story, without those stories and that heartache and that sadness. And it, it propelled her to who she is right now. And that's such a strong message. Like you're not defined by your past, but you always have to be trying to better yourself and the past helps shape you. But my view is like, we're all wet clay, man. And like that clay never dries. We're going to be 90 years old and it's still be wet clay. We can reform who we are every single day, but the power is within us. And some people just don't want to do it. And those people like drive me crazy. I got to be honest with you, but the people that want to change and want to be a better version of themselves and not only help themselves, but then like want to help the world and speak out and say like, you know, I might've been taught differently as a child, but like I'm now an adult and I'm smarter and I'm more open-minded and I'm going to make sure that like, this cycle breaks with me. And I love that saying of like, be an amazing like ancestor. That's great. I love that. I may steal that for a couple of times in the future, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Layla, she's the one who said it. And I think it's an incredible message, something that we can all do. You've done a ton of transformation that I can see in your business and how you operate it and you as a human, of course, to grow. Can you share more about what that journey has been for you evolving as a person and evolving your business to shift more into who you are today and in a way that really makes you happy? Yeah, I mean, so 
I've had a million different careers in my life. And um, the career I was in for 13 years when I started Franklin and Whitman, um, I was the vice president of a tech company in Philly. And, you know, I, I am a like classic Gemini of the two sides of me. And I was more of like a type A type um, leader at that company. I was the vice president. I started my own division and I ran that every day. And, you know, I didn't always like the version of myself. I was, I was not like mean, I wasn't a horrible boss, but like, you know, my whole thing was like, you know, customers are paying us. We have to make sure we're providing an, an amazing experience for them and just keeping everybody, you know, on the same message. And I was a big believer in, you know, once you have that critical mass of like a couple people believing in something, you can really just do anything. And then I grew a beard and I guess it was 2014 and I started buying beards, oils and serums. and I never liked the smells of them. So I started to make my own and that's the beginning of Franklin and Whitman. I mean, for the first two or three years, it was just a side hustle for me where I was working nine to five at my you know job during the day. And I was like building this thing on my own. And then as Franklin Whitman grew, sort of like my sphere of influence, like changed because I met all these different people. You know, I'm used to going to the same job every day with the same group. I love them to death with the same customers and everyone's in the same mindset. And then all of a sudden you get this like a new part of your life and you start meeting people who just have like a completely different point of view than you do. And like, you know, that other side of me just started to come out. And I was like, well, not only do I want to have this company that is this like vegan skincare company that's all cruelty free and certified with both of them. I want to do things that are good for the planet. I want to leave the planet in a better place than how I found it. And I'm like, if I need to be like an activist CEO, that's, that's who I'm going to be. And this whole like other side of me came out and I have to be honest with you. I loved that side that I was seeing. And I was starting to look at the other side and being like, you know, I've been that person for like 13 years and you know, there's room in this world for sort of both of us. And I juggled that side of me, those two sides of me for so long And I remember we did a charity event and I invited some of my employees from the day job to it and it got done and one was leaving and she came up and she gave me a hug and she was like, I just got to be honest with you. Like, I love this Chris that I saw today and I don't see this Chris during the week. And I'm like, yeah, man, like it just doesn't exist. Like, this is my passion. And she's like, you know, as your friend, I just want to tell you, like, this is what you should follow. And, you know, I didn't want to give up my job and I didn't want to give up this thing I built. But then, you know, after about four years, three or four years of doing it, I had like an emotional breakdown. It was actually my wife and I were out on our anniversary. We were at Veg and she's this amazing woman. And she could tell I was just like exhausted. And she was like, you just can't keep doing this. You have to pick, you have to pick something. And she's like, you can pick your day job or you can pick your passion, but like you got to make one of them work and you have to give it your all. Because if you don't, then you're just sort of like half ass and everything. And th- there at that dinner, I was like, I'm going to go in tomorrow and resign. And I went in the next day and resigned. And I stayed along for like a good two months because the, the owner had asked me to stay there until like everyone was sort of ready. And then, you know, Franklin and Whitman became my full time. And I just sort of like let that side of me sort of win out. And I've been, you know, it's not all sunshine and an amazing day is just running a business is so tough. But like the good that we do, you know, that's what like sort of gets you by like, you know, our social mission with rescue dogs, the stuff we do for the planet, you know, like when the stuff gets tough, that's the stuff you focus on. You're like, oh, this is why I do what I do. And the why to me is so important. I'm such a fan of like Simon Sinek. I don't know if you've read any of his books, but like you have to start with why it's like what you do and how you do it is like important. 
But the why you do what you do is the most important thing. If you can't answer that question, you have no business being in business. And that's the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning. That's the thing that carries you through when stuff gets tough. So, you know, why I do what I do is what keeps me going every single day. And and for as long as that fire is stoked and right now it's like an inferno for me, I'm just going to keep on doing it. And when it's gone, then like, you know, I'll have to make a decision because again, like I don't want to be the same person every single day for the rest of my life. But right now I'm loving what I'm doing. And if I can do that and then sort of like do these fun things like the, my podcast and I started a photography business on the side, if I could do that stuff as sort of a pleasant distraction, if you will, well then like right now I sort of have it made. Um, and whenever stuff gets complicated, I'll, I'll figure out what the next step is. I love that. I'm currently reading The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. Oh, awesome. Yeah, really, really good book. And if you haven't checked out the Cultivating Passion podcast that Chris has, you absolutely should. We'll include the information in the show notes so that you guys can all check it out. It's such a fantastic podcast. You've oh, thank you. Amazing guests. And I love all of your conversations. They get deep. and They get really deep. It's surprising. Like I, I, when I started it, I didn't know how long each episode would be. And you know, I've been on some podcasts and I was on Katie Dalbert's podcast, Let It Out. And I remember it was just really, we talked for almost three hours. And the, I think the podcast, the episode itself was like two, two and a half. And I remember being like, wow, I could have gone like two more hours because we were in person just staring at each other, just having a conversation. And I was like, I don't know. I want to do them in person, which right now has been a, a real problem because I can't do any in person right now because of Corona. But um, when I started it, I knew I would want to do in person. And I'm like, I'm just going to see how long the first episode goes. And the conversation went about an hour and 30 minutes. And then I did another one and that went about an hour and 30 minutes. And I'm like, oh, I think this is about an hour and a half each episode. That's what's going to happen. And, you know, I have a set amount of questions, but then it gets so deep. And each person so far who's been on the episode, I consider a friend and I've known for over a year, I guess. And I've learned so much about each person in those conversations that I've never known over like four years of knowing them and talking to them because when do you ever just like pause and tell your story? And that's the thing that's become so powerful to me. I, I started it to talk to people who have made pivots to follow their passion, but you then realize that like that pivot was caused by something that might go back to when they were like 10 years old and you go so deep. And I, after each conversation, I'm just floored about like these people who were already to me were so amazing. And I'm just like, Oh, Holy shit. Like I have such a new appreciation for you. And I love you even more now because I heard the story and I love the conversations. Hopefully we will have many, many more um, moving forward when we can sort of sit down again. I've, I had about four scheduled, two in Boston, two in Philly, and I had to sort of cancel all four of them. But hopefully by the end of the summer, maybe we're, we're recording again. Yeah. And there's plenty for you to listen to as well. And I think it's so important that we have these deep conversations. And like you said, it's not every day that you just sit down with a friend and listen and learn for hours about who they are. One of the greatest benefits I think that we've had in this great pause in the pandemic is that I've had so much more, I would say mental capacity because I don't want to say time. I always have the same amount of time, but I've had more space in my mind because I've been living more slow to think of my community, my friends, to reach out to them more, to hear more about what's going on in their life. And 
remember people's birthdays. And I know that that seems so small to remember someone's birthday, but you know, me texting a friend who I don't get to talk to all day and making sure that their day was incredible for their birthday and connecting with them and catching up is such a small blessing that has such a large impact that we're able to have because we're living more slowly. No, I agree. And I, I'm sort of envious because to be honest with you, like I've been busier over the past two months than I've ever been probably in the last year because we made the pivot in the business to make these hand purifying sprays. And it has, it sort of like blew up. And I thought I was like, oh, I'll be home every day and I'll be, you know, just building the business, working on things that I've always wanted to work on that I haven't had, I haven't had time for. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, like we have to just be churning out stuff. We're making these donations and we're doing all this stuff. And I have to like drive places to pick up alcohol or I'm at night I'm on like sites trying to find bottles and pumps because the entire sort of flow in the United States for bottles, pumps, sprays, and all that has completely and utterly dried up because A, Asia is no longer making stuff because they were shut down, especially China, and B, because so many people in the United States started making hand sanitizers or purifiers. So like where we normally buy our bottles from, they usually have about a half a million to 750,000 bottles in stock every day. And they're at zero right now. And they're like, we think we'll get them in August. So as a business owner, all day long, I'm just trying to find bottles or tops or pumps or sprays that may not be the color we normally use, but I'd rather give you your product in an amber bottle than not give you your product in a blue bottle right now. So it's, you know, my days have been just like juggling so many different things and I wish I had time to slow it down, but we're busier than we've sort of ever been right now. And it's not always equaling money in, but it's like, we're trying to produce and I'm trying to find things. And it's just, it's been very, very hectic. And, you know, I don't want to like say that I, t- I, I tell people and they're like, oh, you're so, so lucky. And I'm like, well, the grass is always greener. You know, I'm sitting here like, I wish I could slow down and mentally, I love that idea of like, you always have the same amount of time, but like mentally and emotionally, you can open up more. But I feel like, especially this last month, I've been the exact opposite. And it's sort of driving me a little bit crazy because, you know, I don't know when I'll have a chance to do that. If I can't, don't, don't have that chance right now, I don't know when I'm going to do it. So it's been interesting for me just to be on the opposite track than probably like 90, 95% of my friends and family. And, you know, it's just, again, everybody's on their sort of their own path right now. My path just is, is a little bit crazier right now than most people's. Can you share more about what the pivot looked like for you? When did you hear about the pandemic? When did you come up with the idea? How did you start to respond? Yeah, so I've had in my mind for the past two years this idea of pivoting Franklin and women just from skincare, hair care to include like home good products, cleaning supplies, hand sanitizers, um, um, like a carpet fresh type product. And I have worked on them for two years. I had all these formulas and I just didn't have time to sort of introduce this new division or line, if you will. And I'm like, well, at some point I will, you know, right now I'm busy enough just trying to grow the normal business. And I don't want to take too much of my attention away from that, but I'm also doing a podcast and a photography business and all of that. So it's always been on the back burner. And I remember reading about Corona probably in, I want to say November or December, just, just reading these weird little blips here and there, whether it's New York Times, Washington Post, just online. 
and being like, oh, that's interesting. And this might become something. And, you know, as it was developing, I was like, well, should I come out with like a purifying spray? And I have this recipe. Should I start trying to like source materials? I don't know. And I have to be honest with you. I didn't want to, once it became this thing, I didn't want to sit back and be like, I'm sort of profiteering off of this. I hate that word. It's not the right word to use, but it's the only one that sort of makes sense to me right now. And it just stuck with me. So I'm like, well, if I can, if I am going to start making this, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And I'll figure out what that means. And what that eventually meant was 25% of every batch that we make, it's donated to a hospital or healthcare workers. And I'm just like, I'm just going to donate a quarter of it. And that way I can sleep at night. That way I feel better about selling them and keeping people safe and all that. But I'm also keeping the people that matter the most right now who need to be the safest safe. So then I dove sort of all in. And I remember the building we're in, the Bach building, they reached out to me and they were like, do you have like a sanitizer or a purifier? And I'm like, I'm thinking about it. I'm trying to source stuff. And they're like, well, you know, like we're going to need some. And I'm like, well, you know, I have this recipe. So I just started to source stuff. And like, I found stuff right away and I'm like, all right, I'll design some labels. So I went home and I love designing our labels and I have the template that our graphic designer started. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to sit there and do this. And I want to say that. And then it became this thing and we just put it out there and they sold like crazy at the beginning. And I was like, oh crap, like I have to find more ingredients. And then it's like, oh, everything has dried up. And it's just been this like constant hustle where I'm like finding places, you know, four hours away. And I'm like, I'll drive there. And I just like get in my car and I drive there. And they're like throwing, whether it's like alcohol or aloe vera gel or vegetable glycerin or bottles or pumps, whatever I can find, wherever I can find it. If I can drive there and pick it up, I'm just going to do that because I don't know if like UPS is ever going to show up or FedEx. And I'm like, if I can drive there Wednesday and pick it up, I'll just show up. And you know, they think, I'm going to show up in some truck and I come pulling up in my like Subaru Outback and I'm just like, yeah, let's just like load the car up. And then I drive back and I'm like, okay, we have enough to make like another, I don't know, 500 bottles. Let's put it out there. So, um, I've met some amazing people through it. I have to be honest with you. So I started the first person in the medical field I reached out to was my friend Jasmine Wynn, who is like, uh, an influencer, if you will, in Philly. Um, but she's also a nurse at Jefferson and I'm like, Hey dude, I just want to like donate hand sanitizers. And she's like, Oh my God, my, my division needs it. So I sent a case and then I'm like, well, I also want to send like face masks. And when I say face masks, I don't mean PPE. I mean, clay face masks, the kind that we make and sell. Um, so I'm like, you know, everyone's wearing these masks all day and they're all like breaking out and their skin's so dry and irritated. So I'm going to send them some hydrating masks to use when they get home. So I'm like, not only will I send them sanitizers, but I'll send them masks as well. And she introduced me to this, another amazing person at Jefferson, Jen Gill, who's amazing, who introduced me to someone in New York. And she also introduced me to this amazing person, Colleen in Boston. And they all work at, so at hospitals up there. So I've sent them to Montefiore, um, Moses in the Bronx. I've sent them to Mass General. I've sent them to, um, Cambridge Health Alliance. I've done University of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, Jefferson and Temple so far in Philly. And when we send the sanitizers, we also send masks and, you know, it just, it makes me feel good that we can do our part. And if I can't do my part, like if I can't, if there's nothing for me to do, that's one thing. But if I can do something, I choose not to, whether that be, I don't want to put the effort in or it's going to affect my bottom line a certain way. Then like, that's where, like, I feel like, you sort of split in the road from the companies that care and the companies that just want to be in business. And I want to be a company that cares. So I'm going to do everything I can. 
And selfishly, it makes me feel better, but also I know I'm doing some good for the world. And if I can be an example to someone our size, bigger, smaller, whatever, then like, so be it. If no one even pays attention, I don't give a shit because I know I've done some good. So like the whole sanitizer or purifier, hand purifying spray thing has been just this wild ride where I've met some absolutely amazing people. We've done some good. We've made some sales, which has helped right now during this downturn. Um, it sort of has kept us sort of consistent, which is great because other sales have dropped. So yeah, it's been this weird, crazy thing. And everyone's like, how did you make that pivot? And I'm like, sometimes being small and being a hundred percent owner of a company and making all the decisions yourself, sometimes that's like such a nightmare. But in times like this, it, it helps because I didn't have to run this through a committee and I didn't have to do all this stuff. I already had a formula bill and it was based off of the WHO's formula. And I'm like, so if I can just source this stuff, we'll start making it. And within like two weeks, we had a product. It was the fastest turnaround I've ever had. And if I had 10 people working on it, then it probably would still be in development. Or if I was looking to buy like 20,000 bottles, I think because of the size we are, because I made all the decisions and I wanted to small start small, it just helped me get to market so much faster than other people. And, you know, you see everyone starting to catch up right now, which is great because the market now people can find this stuff, which is important. But yeah, like, you know, and people at the beginning were like, oh my God, it's like $7. And I'm like, dude, I wish I could sell it for three. I wish, but like alcohol selling for like 10 times what it normally goes for. And I remember one person emailed and she said, I bought hand sanitizer and Trader Joe's seven months ago for $2. And I'm like, seven months ago, there wasn't a pandemic. And seven months ago, you can find alcohol anywhere. Right now, it's like an absolute nightmare finding it. When you do, it's jacked up beyond belief. And that goes for every other ingredient plus the bottle plus the pump. Um, so I have to charge that because A, I have to stay in business. B, I'm donating 24% to hospitals. So I have to make that up somewhere. I can't do this and put myself out of business. Like that's the one thing I just can't do. So it's like, keep my business going, but also do good and charge as much as I possibly, or as little as I possibly can to make all that happen. It's been a funny, wild ride, but I've enjoyed it. It's kept me so busy. But um, yeah, I, I appreciate the size we are right now. And it allowed me to sort of get to the market well before anyone else sort of did in our sort of in our sphere that we that we work in. I love that. And I love how quickly you pivoted and you've shared a little bit about some of the things you've done, which is very similar to our business and that everybody does everything that needs to get done. Can you share more about your role as the founder and CEO of your company? What does your everyday look like? What are you spending your time on? Oh, sure. So it's a funny thing with the pandemic before, you know, you sit there and you're like, I want to be as big as we possibly can be. I just, I never want to just be like, oh yeah, we're good where we are. And I want more employees. I want more employees who are like full time and who are totally invested and who are like helping me with marketing and social media. And right now, you know, I'm glad we're the size that we are just because of, I didn't have to lay anyone off and I didn't have to fire people. And we could, we actually took on a couple more part-timers because we needed help making things, um, which I'm glad we were able to stay a in business and B keep the people that were with us employed and also give a couple other people who lost their jobs, a part-time job to make some money on the side, which was great. Um, so as this founder and CEO, I do, 
it's easier for me to tell you what I don't do, I guess, than what I do do. I still develop every product, recipe, and formula myself. Um, No one else knows the formula. So if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, like the company's just gone. Um, I still make everything in bulk. So I come up with the formula and I make it in bulk. And then I have a team who comes in and it's mainly like college students and people, everyone's, you know, part-time doing other things. And they bottle it. We bottle everything ourselves. We ship everything ourselves. I'm not using like a shipping company. Everything is made internally, packaged internally, and shipped internally. That way I can ensure that the quality is where I need it to be. The ingredients are the ones that I myself have purchased. And the shipping is at the speed that I know we need to be at to stay relevant right now, which has helped because you know, we're shipping within a couple of days, which is great. Other places are like three weeks. I mean, even Amazon prime right now, it's like two or three weeks. So I feel like we're sort of, we're ahead of the curve with that as well. I do all of our content creation. So I've always wanted to be a photographer. So a lot of the like set pieces, if you will, the flat lays and the, the sort of lifestyle shots are, are mine. Um, so I do all of our social media. I answer all every single customer service email myself right now. I order everything myself. I do everything but sort of get the bulk ingredients down to their bottle or jar form. And if I need to, I pitch in. And then, you know, the team packages and also ships and or or packs boxes. And then I sort of ship everything and we get it out into the mail stream the next day. So my days are different every day, but I have a laundry list of to do's to do. And one of the things, you know, I've learned a long time ago was, um, you're, everyone's juggling a million balls, but you just got to figure out like which balls are plastic or rubber and which ones are glass. Cause the glass ones, if you drop them, they'll break and the rubber ones will bounce till tomorrow. And like, you know, I'm like a perfectionist and I want to get everything done on my list, but sometimes you just got to say like, this will be there tomorrow. When I wake up tomorrow, the sun will rise. I'll breathe. I'll be alive. And this thing will still be sitting there and it won't be a fire. The things that are a fire are glass balls and you can't drop them. You got to take care of them. So that's how like my day to day is right now, like trying to prioritize my to do list into what I actually have to do into what can wait till tomorrow. And then, then try to sprinkle in a couple like things I want to do, which will bring me some joy, which will make the things that I have to do a little easier, you know, like gamify it a little bit. If I do this, then I can do that. So that's my day to day. Like it's, it's busy. And, you know, some people are like, why don't you just have someone else make your stuff or just do things a different way. And I'm like, I didn't build this business out of a business model that when I was in like a course or in class or at school, this thing just started and it morphed into this thing that eventually I was able to quit my full-time job. And there's a lot of ills to it. Like I I didn't sit there and say like, Oh, I'm going to have this profit margin. I'm going to do that. Like, I don't know that I didn't graduate with a business degree. So it's like, I don't, I didn't learn that stuff. I'm just going to like learn as on the way. And you know, Gary V I'm a big Gary V fan. It's like, you have to be self-aware to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. And the things you're not good at, if you can hire someone to do that, that's great. If not, you still got to do it though. So I try to figure out what I'm good at and dive into that. And the stuff that I'm not great at, you know, there's a bunch of different quadrants. Like there's things that I'm good at that don't bring me joy at all. There's things I'm good at that brings me a ton of joy. So it's like, all right, well, I have to do those too. And usually it's, you got to do more on the one than the other. Um, and then the things where I don't have the skill set, well, you got to find someone who can help you out. And like, I don't do our books. I have a bookkeeper. I used to do our books and I did a horrible job of it. So why don't I find someone who's like invested in my business, who can help me on a part-time basis, who can teach me things because I don't know anything about that, who not only can 
make sure the data is right. But then we can also attack the data and look at it and be like, hey, this means that, um, you know, I don't know that stuff. So it's like, well, I can't keep this going if I don't do that stuff. So hire someone or outsource to someone. So my day to day is a lot of like juggling balls, trying to figure out which ones are glass, which ones are rubber and trying to do some stuff that brings me joy as well. So like if I'm having a really shitty day. I'm like, for the next hour, I'm going to just take some product shots. I'm going to set up, I have a studio at Frank and Wit. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to slice up some grapefruit or whatever. And I'm going to sit there and just like take some beautiful shots that I'll post and no one will even appreciate the art that went into it. But at least I know it's a beautiful shot. And um, in an hour, I'll go back to sort of like being knee deep in the shit because that's what it is to run a business, a small business, especially. I think that's so inspirational and I feel like that's a testament to the true like entrepreneurial journey is kind of wearing all the hats and figuring it out as you go. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm curious, when you started this company, why was it so important for you to make your products all natural and cruelty free? I know it can honestly be cheaper to use synthetic ingredients and stuff like that. So, yeah. Absolutely. So I'll go back to the beginning. So I grew the beard and I started to make... I start to buy these beard products. And, you know, when I tell this story, people just have in their mind that we're like a men's grooming company. And we'd so pivoted after a couple months. But at the beginning, I had this beard and it was itchy. And I wanted to buy stuff to not make it as itchy. And I wanted to smell good. And every product I was buying was that sort of like stereotypical masculine scent of piney or woodsy. And, you know, I like that stuff, but I really love citrus floral notes. So I, I couldn't find anything on the market that sort of fit what I was looking for. So I was like, well, what's in these things? I'll just make them myself. And then I don't know if you ever purchased essential oils off of like Amazon. You know, you start with like two and then in 10 days you have like 750 bottles. So I had like all these essential oils and I'm like learning about top notes and mid notes and low notes and how you combine different scents. And I started to just like mix some stuff up and I was like, oh, I like the way that smells. And I made this one scent that is our Mount Airy scent to this day. And it's vanilla, bergamot and lavender. And I made a beard oil out of it. I was wearing it at work one day and this other bearded dude who worked for me walked by and he was like, man, you smell great. Like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, it's like vanilla and lavender and bergamot. And he's like, who makes that? I'm like, oh, I make it at home. I started making it for him. And then all of a sudden I'm like, well, this could be a thing. Like I can start a side business because, you know, as a VP of a tech company, the owner is in this amazing guy and he had a marketing degree. So he wanted to run the marketing and messaging of the company. But I felt like I didn't really have too much of a say in there. I was more of the operational person of the, of the company. And while I'm good at that, it doesn't bring me a ton of joy. So I was like, I can start a side business and I can do it the way I want to do it. I can run it through social media. You know, back then I say it's like back then, like it was a decade ago, but it was like five years, I guess, you know, Instagram was just like a series of photos and it was just a bunch of food bloggers posting like their morning smoothie and stuff like that. So I was like, well, I can start it. I'll use social media as the backbone because I don't want to go to like farmer's markets on the weekends. I want people to think we're like the size of keels. I, I don't want to be like, this is some mom and pop. I'm making it in my basement. And then I said, I want to have some brand promises. And I want to have things that I could like, that are the pillars of the business because companies that I respected and looked up to like Warby Parker or Harry's, they always had the social mission. So I sat there and I'm like, well, you know, at the time I wasn't vegan, I'm vegan now, but I'm like, 
I want to make everything plant-based and I want to make it cruelty free and I want a social mission. And, you know, I remember sitting in my living room talking to my wife and I'm like, you know, what is it? What's that social mission? And she's like, dogs, like we love rescue dogs. And I'm like, oh crap, it's rescue dogs. That's what we'll do. So I just created this thing where I'm like, I want to have a company that has this like moral set that when everything else goes to shit, I can look back at it and be like, this is why we do what we do. So I started it and I made like five different scents and I designed my own labels and I was making everything in my basement and dude, no one was buying it because no one cared. Like in the sort of the beard oil world, especially back then, it was more of like that rough and tumble sort of, I don't want to say like misogynistic, but like not the greatest of like marketing plans for those kinds of companies. It was more about men being men and smelling like men. And I'm like, I'm over here with like bergamot and lavender. And I'm like, no one's caring about what I'm doing. And I remember one weekend I was in Urban Outfitters with one of my daughters and I was looking around and I remember seeing like the herbivore label and I'm like, man, that label's like amazing. It's so clean. And I'm like, I should get into skincare. And I remember coming home and just being so inspired. And I like went to Whole Foods and I bought dead sea salt and different kinds of sugars. And I already had my essential oils and I bought all these carrier oils. And I remember making body scrubs that weekend. And two of the body scrubs that we still have to this day were made that weekend. And I remember being like, oh my God, this smells amazing. My wife and kids used it. I used it. And I'm like, we're going to, I'm going to pivot. I'm going to pivot into skincare. And my wife's like, well, you know, like whenever you pick something, you just become an expert at it. And she's like, and I just Google shit to death. I just like research and research and research. Like what is the formula that I'm going to use? And why, why is each ingredient included? Every ingredient has to have a reason why it's there. And if that means I stop at four ingredients, I stop at four. If I get the desired outcome then I stop at four, it doesn't have to be 20. So I built this thing and I started sending them out to food bloggers and it just started to sort of steamroll. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to do this, I have to make masks, I have to make serums. And it was just like sitting there and just like researching. And, you know, I love creating a new product. I love like that. Here's the 10 different versions I'm going to create. How do we get it to five? How do we get those five to three? How do we get those three to two? And then how do we get to that one? What do we name it? What's the marketing plan? I love that stuff. So it was like, yeah, we need like five or six masks. We need this. And I'm just going to slowly incorporate hair care products and do this. And you just like, you know, I just Google shit until I feel like I'm sort of an expert at it. And I just want to make sure it does what I say it's going to do because I don't want to sell something just on like, a, I don't want to like greenwash stuff to begin with, like Lush. You know, Lush, everyone thinks is like natural and all this. And if you look in the back of their their ingredients, like half the shit has that black asterisk mark, which means it's a safe synthetic. And I remember at the very beginning when I was starting, you know, I have two teenage daughters who, you know, one's in her twenties now, but at the time they were both teenagers. And I was looking at their products that they had on, you know, our vanity and in the shower. And I'm like, half of the stuff in here is synthetic. I don't understand. Like, is it just impossible to make something that is shelf stable, that is natural? And I just remember going in and doing research and being like, well, it's really comes down to like a, the amount that they're making and be like just the price of how much it would cost to create this product. And I don't want to make that sacrifice. So if we're going to do something, we're going to use real ingredients that are, you know, plant-based and vegan and cruelty-free. And, you know, eventually we got our PETA certification for being vegan and cruelty-free. And I'm like, I'm just going to try. And if I can't make a product that fits this, then, then I just don't make it quite honestly. But if I can, I'm going to do it and I'll sell it for a price where it's not unreasonable for them to pay that, but also I can make some money doing it. And we're just using the very best ingredients we can. And, you know, I wanted to sort of like fight against that sort of lush thing where it's like, oh, we're natural. But then when you look into the ingredients, you're like, they're not at all. And it's just like greenwashing. And I, the marketer in me got like pissed off because they're doing such a good job of like being like, Oh my God, it's so natural. But 
but it's not. So I'm like, you know, what? I'm just going to try to be sort of like the, I don't want to say anti-lush, but I'm going to be like the real version that they're pretending they are being. And if that means I grow to like a certain size and I have to stop there, well then maybe that's the course that the universe has laid out for Frank and wit. But until then, I'm just going to keep on adding more products and doing more stuff. And I'm working on like five different products right now. And hopefully one is ready to go in a couple of weeks. I'm so excited. But yeah, if I can't make something, I won't do it. But I just don't want to do something and just greenwash it and be like, oh, we're all natural. Because all natural means shit. That doesn't mean anything. The FDA does not control what all natural means. Anyone can say they're all natural. You can say this is an all natural podcast. It doesn't mean anything. So I want to live up to being like vegan and cruelty free um, and plant-based. So that's sort of like the long answer to your question. I'm sorry I kept on rambling, but it's sort of like the story of how we got to where we are and why I make the decisions that I, that I sort of make. And hopefully I answered your question. <laughs> no, you, you a hundred percent did. And I think that that's so incredible and you're right. There is so much greenwashing, especially in the skincare industry. So I just find it so refreshing how transparent and honestly just passionate you are about making sure your brand represents something different. You spoke a little bit about your online presence on Instagram and you guys have grown your online presence and really utilized Instagram as a distribution channel when you're trying to develop those product releases, kind of, can you walk us through kind of what your, your launch strategy is? You know, is that deciding who to work with on a certain product and stuff like that? The strategies developed like the day before we enacted. And I say, we, my dad used to have this saying when I was a kid, when I would like do something and I would get in trouble and I'd be like, we, and he'd be like, who's we like you and a mouse in your pocket. It's you like take ownership. Say I did this. And I remember being like eight years old and be like, we, and he was like, mouse in your pocket. I'm like, okay, I did this. So I come up with the plan and usually it's just a, I'm going to develop this product and get it down to like the A and B version. And then once it's ready for A and B and it's been tested on first myself, then my wife, then my daughters, and then some friends, I pick sort of, I don't know, about 10 different people who I'm close to, whether they be influencers or, you know, I know everyone hates that word personalities, if you will, on Instagram, or just really, really like customers we're tight with. I'll reach out and be like, Hey, like I have these, this product I'm coming out with. Can you test it? Tell me what you like about a, what you like about B. And then I can come up with what the like final version is. And then once that happens, I'm like, all right, well, we have this sort of crew that we work with on Instagram and I'm going to make sure it hits their hands ASAP and reach out to them and be like, Hey, like there's some people who we sort of have a, can you talk about us once or twice a month agreement with some people don't. And I'll just be like, Hey, if you love it and you want to talk about it, that's great. We're going to launch it on this day. And then the hard thing is, I got to be honest with you, the thing that I struggle with as someone who didn't graduate with like a marketing degree is after you get over that initial release hump, how do you keep the message constant? And I don't want to hit people over the head with the message all the time, but I don't also don't want them to forget about the product exists. And how do you do that in a way that isn't just like, I know I can like do a picture of it every three or four days and do maybe like a promoted post and here and there and do all that stuff. But it's like, how do you now incorporate this into your everyday marketing? And that's a challenge for me. That's something I sometimes fail at. I got to be honest. I'm really good at like creating the initial plan, but the long term is something I'm not great at at all. And I'm self-aware enough to say that. Like you, I just fall back into that. Like, oh, well, like a mask, a self mask selfie is a great picture. And I'm just going to do that. I'm going to do some beautiful picture I did, you know, in our studio. But then it's like, well, I got to, I haven't talked about like our cuticle serum, if you will for like 60 days and no wonder why it doesn't sell it's because we don't talk about it. So creating sort of these like mini campaigns is something I'm trying to get better at. I'm trying to ask for help from certain people to be like, 
hey, like, how do you do it with your brand? Or, you know, how have you helped other small brands do this? So that's something I'm working on to this day. And, you know, again, we have like four or five products in the hopper that are on for the next couple months. And I'm like, okay, well, I want to do a great job at it. And I can't do it all myself. So I'm trying to figure out like, what's that new formula? And then how do you not only hit Instagram, which is our bread and butter, but Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest is just something I'm like, I got to do better at Pinterest. I don't use it as a as a person on the platform. So I'm like, I got to wrap my head around like what it's like. And then you have, you know, emerging platforms like TikTok. And I'm like, how do I create video content for this and get it out there? It's, it's, you know, it's tough. It's, I, I sit there and I'm like, now I know why like marketing managers, that's their job, their full-time job. It takes up your entire day. And I'm trying to cram that into maybe 20% of my day or sometimes even 5% of my day. And it's like, well, I only have so much time and energy and money and I have to manage them really well. And, you know, sometimes I need help and sometimes I can do it on my own. But yeah, it's a challenge for me. I got to be honest with you. Like getting it out on Instagram is one thing, but keeping it out there and making sure that people are talking about it for the next six months, that's something that it's like, okay, but then we want to come out with something new. And then how do you put that in there as well? Like that's a challenge. I have to be honest with you. And it's something I work on every day. I love your honesty about what you're good at and what you're working on. I think it's so important for entrepreneurs to hear because from the outside, everybody sees what you shine in, right? Oh, sure. But then they have a hard time seeing what you're working on yourself. So I think those types of conversations are really important. And you've done an incredible job of building, whether you want to call it influencer, personality, relationships in such an incredible, authentic way that's really helped get the message out there about your brand. Can you share more about how you started with this and how you've grown it within your company? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, when we first came out with the body scrubs, you know, I, I started with a superfood in each product, whether it be matcha or coffee or whatever. And I remember being like, well, I'm going to reach out to these food bloggers to see like the same thing that's in your smoothies in this scrub. And why don't we just send you some stuff? And we'd send them these beautiful boxes and they would use it. And I'd be like, Hey, like if you want to put it in a, in a, in a post, that's great. Stories didn't even exist back then. You know, again, it was like five years ago and it seems like 30 years, but it was only like five. And I'd be like, if you love it and you want to talk about it, that's great. And the thing that happened was I naturally get attracted to people that are sort of like who vibrate at the same frequency that I am. And when I connect with someone, I connect deep. I don't want to have a superficial relationship with anyone. I want to like know who they are. I want to know that they love the product. They're not doing this like as a commercial. They're doing this because they believe not only in the product, but the brand and our mission and have a connection with me, quite honestly. And that's how it started. I just like sort of the, like became friends with them virtually or digitally. And, you know, you start talking about other things and it's like talk, start talking about your pets and your relationships and this and that. And, you know, I, I've always been like that person, even in high school, like I would like be on the phone with someone for like two hours. I couldn't just have like a five minute conversation. I like to talk as you can tell. And, um, I want to get to know them and know them as a whole, not just them as this on screen personality or the person that you see on this like piece of glass that you hold in your hand. And, some people are like put off by that because they're just like, well, brands are not like this. And I'm like, well, this is not how I work. Like when I talk to someone or reach out to someone and they're like, oh, you need to talk to my manager. I'm just like, yeah, dude, you're not for us because I just need to know I want to talk to you. And eventually if we have to like have people 
negotiate something or talk about something like that's fine. But like, I want to know you first. And then I want to talk about like, can I send you stuff? And then I want to talk about, did you like it? And only then can we then bring that person in and sort of like change up the relationship. And some people love that and some people don't. And, you know, again, the ones I connect with, I connect deep with. And, you know, I'm like, people are like texting me, they're breaking up with their boyfriend and this, that, and the other thing. And it's just like, I'm finding out stuff before they talk about it on Instagram. And I, I love it because I have relationships. And again, it's like relationships over stuff, like all the time. I'll take a relationship over a transaction every day of the week because you can't put like a price tag on a real true relationship. So it started. And, you know, some of the people that we still work with to this day, you know, maybe they had like 10,000 followers or 8,000 and now they have half a million. And I don't know if I would be like, we would be friends right now if I just reached out. But like back then we connected and we still connect to this day. And when we have events, I'll like invite them to Philly or we'll have an event in the city, especially in Boston. There's a bunch of people up there that we connected with over the last couple of years. We'll throw a charity event in Boston and then we'll have these dinners and invite them to and just hang out. And half the stuff we do, we don't even put on our feeds because again, I want to be present in the moment and we'll have a dinner and just be like, yeah, this was great. And people are like, you know, I'll post tomorrow. And I'm like, I don't care if you post, I just want to see you and talk to you and get to know you more in person. And I think that being genuine and being honest and not trying to like put on a front and just being who I am, some people really appreciate. And that's how I grew it. And can I grow it bigger being that person? I don't know. I've had lots of conversations with business owners who I'm friends with who are just like, how do you do it? And I'm like, I just become friends with them. And they're like, oh, I don't have time. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like that's important to me. That might not be important to you, but like, that's what's helped me to this point. And I'm not, you know, I have this thing where people are like, oh, you're so nice. And I'm like, no, like niceness and kindness are two different things. Like I'm kind. I like to say I'm kind and compassionate. I want to run a kind and compassionate company. Nice is a thing that comes from the brain. Like you can be nice to someone and have an ulterior motive, but if you're kind and you're compassionate, it comes from the heart and there's no ledger book for me. Like I'm not doing this stuff to get shit back. It's like you put enough good stuff out there in the universe, good stuff will happen. And that's how I've been running it and keeping these relationships going. And, you know, there are times where I give and give and give, and then I have to just like shut down because I need to recharge. You know, I'm like an ENFJ. I don't know if you ever like go through the personality types, but like, I, I want to be out there and be around people and be just like, talking and giving and giving and giving then every once in a while it's like you have nothing left and i gotta like retreat recharge and then get back out there and there are times where like i won't talk to someone for two or three weeks and then it's like okay i'm ready to like be that version of me again and reach out and be like hey what's going on like what are you doing this weekend we hardly i never talk to people about the products it's probably like 15 minutes into the conversation like hey do you need a refill and then like it goes back to the normal personal stuff and i love it like I'm not being, I'm being my genuine self and doing it. People who don't like that stuff, like they, they just run it a different way. They have maybe a social media manager or whatever. But I think when they know they're talking to the founder that carries some weight, to be honest with you. And that person not only cares about the product and about the stuff that they're doing, but cares about them as a human being and is not doing it to get posts or stories or any of that stuff. I can just figure like all that stuff will come in time. You know what I mean? Like we're selling products. That's just stuff like people. That's what matter. And when you put the people first, the rest of the stuff just like takes care of itself. Like I be- truly and utterly believe in the universe will like make everything sort of work out. Maybe not the way that I wanted it to or expected it to, but it work out in a positive way. And I have been running, living my life the last couple of years doing that. And you know what? It's like, there's been more positive than negative. And that's sometimes the best you can ask for. 
It's so true. Someone actually once said to me, I'm so upset that I forget who said this, but someone said, honestly, what it takes is just being social on social media. Like sometimes the platform just feels like very transactional and it's, it just comes down to like actually being genuine, authentic and caring about other people, which it, it seems like you're doing a ton of that. And it definitely reflects based on the other side. Like I even see that. Oh, well, I mean, like, I think you were the one that reached out at the beginning about what you guys are doing and you told me the story and I'm like, oh my God, like, of course I'll support you guys. Like, I don't even, I have not even met you, but I'll send you face masks. I want this, I want your like opening to be amazing. And again, you get a feeling just from this piece of glass and it's like, you know, they're entrepreneurs, they're trying to do something, they're trying to build something, they're trying to build a community. Like, all I want to do is support and lift up because, you know, in the end, rising tides lifts all ships and it's like all we have to do is just like help lift each other up and again when it's dark and you can't see the light be the light and you know i always think of it as like life is a mirror and when you're with the right people who knows where that light that's bouncing back and forth started who cares but when the other person's in darkness it's bouncing back from you to them and when you're in darkness it comes back to you and like that's how as a civilization as a society whatever it's the only way we're going to be able to get through times like right now especially like we all have to lift each other up and we have to stop screaming we have to listen and we have to like explain you know just like i feel like the civil discourse has like gone away on all sides and now it's just like everyone's just like attacking each other and again when you find that connection with that person it's like that's so you have to cherish it it's so precious it's like you know you see the embers of the fire there you got to blow on it and you gotta do everything you can to like make that fire sort of like give it all the fuel it needs because once it starts burning it's hard to like put that out and that's just how i run it and it's like you know it's exhausting sometimes and not everyone wants to run their business that way and i'm sure there's some people listening being like that's total bullshit but you know it's like it's my company and i'm gonna just keep on running it the way i want to run it and and it's, it's, again, it's been more positive than negative. So that's all I can, that's, that's all I can ask for right now. I love the mentality. And I actually remember when we were messaging each other and you were like, you know, some people, when I was first starting out, they lended a hand to me and like, I just want to reciprocate that and help you guys out. And that was so awesome. And it was just, it was really inspiring. Ah, oh, thank you. Well, it's true. You know, I remember sitting down being like, I'm going to start this company and I'm going to do it through social media. I'm going to build it. And I think the first email I ever sent was to the people at United by Blue. They're headquartered in Philly. They have a store in New York and Philly because I admired them. They had a social mission of like clean water and clean waterways. And I was, was like, hey, we don't even have a product right now, but I don't know if you're into carrying beard oils. They were like, we're not really interested, but we're like, we love that, like what you're doing. And then I reached out to my friend, Andy, who runs Weckerly's ice cream. And I was just like, Hey dude, like any advice. And he's like, here's 10 people to reach out to. And I reached out to them. They gave me advice. And I just, it just kept on snowballing. Cause again, I've, I've run other companies. I started a home inspection business and all that, but I never built a company that had a social mission that was sort of like creating a product. And, um, you know, those people helped me. And when, you know, certain people, I'd be like, Hey, let's do a giveaway. And they were gigantic and I was so tiny and they'd be like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. And like, they were not going to gain anything from it. They were just helping me because we had a relationship. So like, if I can't do that for other people who are starting out, then like, I'm a shitty person, you know, I don't want to be a shitty person. I want to do everything I can to help those around me, whether they're further up on the ladder or further down on the ladder or whatever, wherever they are in their journey, like, 
I'm going to help as many people as I can because it's, you know, it's the way I was raised and I want to, I want to be able to do some good. And again, selfishly, it makes me feel good to be that way. So like, you know, it's a win-win and it's a win-win-win because, you know, it's good for the world. It's good for you and it's good for me. So like, why wouldn't I do that? The last thing I'm going to look at is like, how's this affecting my bottom line or the analytics of that? Because you can't just live life that way all the time. It's important, but you can't just base everything off of numbers or digits or reports. It's got to be about like feeling and, and relationships and people. It's so true. So I'm wondering if you had, I feel like it's so amazing that right now you're living your passion and you're working so hard because you're doing what you love. I'm wondering if you have any advice for someone who has something that they're super passionate about but they haven't had the courage maybe to like take the first step or they don't know where to start. Um, I'm just wondering if you have any advice for someone to actually like go out and live out their passions. Sure. Um, you know, and again, like that's the basis of my podcast. So I've gotten to ask that question to some people who I really, really love and, and respect and like their answers have helped sort of transform the way I look at it as, as well. And on our first episode, I had my friend Georgie Morley on and, I love her to death. And we were talking about this exact question. And the thing we both said at the same time at the end was like, the easiest way to just do something is just start doing it. And you just got to start. You got to like get past that fear and all of that. You don't have to quit your day job. You don't have to do any of that. Just start doing it. Like I had a day job that took up a huge amount of my time, emotion, energy, everything. But I found the time to do this because it was important to me. And you have to be able to carve out some time for your passion and you have to cultivate it and and build it and just start doing it and know that if it gets to a point where you're going to quit your job or make some crazy leap with the gig economy right now, you can make money doing anything you can. I mean, right now it's hard to say like wait tables, but like when the world is back to normal, you can wait tables. You can, I always say like, if something happened, I'd work like the paint counter at Home Depot. I don't know why I keep on saying that one thing because I think secretly I want to work the paint counter at Home Depot. Just like talk to people about like color schemes in their rooms. But like you can always get a job to help pay the bills. But like when you sort of have that Venn diagram of you can make some money doing it and it's good for the world and it brings you joy and you love doing it and you're good at it. Like when those overlap, like there's magic in the middle, man. Like and you got to grasp onto that. So like do it as a side hustle, build it into something Figure out if you can do it full time. If you can't, maybe it's meant to be a side hustle for a couple of years. Like my company was a side hustle for God, three or four years for me. And I killed myself doing it. Like it was tough. I mean, it's like I had a full time job and then I had this business that I was growing. And then at night I had to make stuff and I would like leave my job and come home and eat real quick and then or get something on the road and then go to Franklin and Whitman and make product, get it in the mailroom and then get home at like midnight and then decompress to 1 a.m. and wake up again at 7 a.m. the next morning. And, you know, it killed me physically. I gained like 30 pounds and like it just I was always exhausted. But like I was happy to do it because I loved my day job and I really loved this passion of mine that grew into this business. So you you got to use that passion as your fuel at the beginning. And I almost as you like your currency at the beginning because it's not easy to run a small business and it's not easy to get things off the ground. But like just do it. Don't listen to anyone else. Don't listen to the naysayers. Like get advice obviously from people that you you respect. But in the end like it's on you to just do it and do it the way that like your moral compass, your gut tells you to do it and you'll see if it's going to fly or not. And, you know, again, like all of these people who are so successful, 
none of these things were like that person's first thing. Some of these people, it's like their 40th thing. So like failing is not horrible. I've failed so many times in my life, but you learn from it and then you just attack it again from a different point of view or it's a different thing, but it's always that fire that's in you. And if you have that fire for something, like you can't deny it because you know what, when you're 80 or 90 on your deathbed, you're going to look back and be like, fuck, like what's going to be on my headstone? Like, Oh, he did a really good job at the carpet store. You know, it's like, no, it's like, maybe you gave it all up and followed your dream. And like for 10 years, you got to do that or, or the rest of your life, whatever. But like, you might as well do it. We get one ride. We get one ticket for this life. And you have to think, I think about it daily. It's not, I'm like afraid of like my mortality, but I just think about like, this is the one chance I get. And if I can spend this time helping people feel more confident in their skin and I can take care of my family and help take care of my family with my wife and then save some dogs while I'm doing it and create some like social change. Then like, I feel like I earned that ticket. And if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, well, at least like, you know, I was doing things the way I wanted to do them and as much to my ability as I possibly could. And in the end I earned the ticket, but like, I don't know, like if you feel like you have that in you, then you got to do it. Cause you're just going to regret it later. And I don't, I, I just don't want to have regrets later in life and be like, Oh, if I had a chance to live it all over again, I would have quit my job and did this because like, you know, I don't, I don't remember who said it. I don't feel like Zig Ziglar. It's like, the greatest collection of dreams is in the graveyard. It's just people had these amazing ideas, but they just couldn't like let go of like the script of, I got to have my nine to five and I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do that. Society's telling me to do this. That's all bullshit. Live your life. Be happy. Do the things you want to do that bring you joy and try to make the world a better place. And if you could do that and make some money doing it, God almighty, like grab onto that and ride that ride as long as you possibly can. Oh, that's so amazing. I love that. Um, well, a couple last things that we ask everyone on the podcast are one, do you have, so our community is mostly entrepreneurs, people who have side hustles, um, they're starting their own business. So we always ask it, are there any resources that you recommend that you always turn to? So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, one thing that's been like really helpful and I learned this, I just got through last summer, the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small businesses program. I was lucky enough to get accepted into it and go through the, I think it was the 19th cohort in Philadelphia. They're all over the nation. And I learned a ton. So you have to have like certain numbers and you have to have a certain amount of employees and there's the prerequisites. But if you're at a size that you can be considered, um, that's one thing I tell everyone to look through. And you, if you talk to a lot of small businesses in Philadelphia, from like Weckerly's to Baba's Kombucha, like all these companies, owners or founders have gone through the program. I've learned a ton from there as far as like resources, like the, the free library of Philadelphia, quite honestly, if you're in the Philadelphia area, even if you're in the suburb, the main library on, I forget whatever street it is, you know, um, near the art museum has this amazing business resource center called the Brick. And I think it's like Business Resource Information Center. They got this huge grant and they built this beautiful section of that building. They redid it and you can go in and sit down with someone for an hour or two and talk about all their researching abilities. Like you can sit down at a computer and just start looking up like data, like find me all natural retail stores in the Philadelphia area that have been in business for 10 years or more who sell more than $10 million a year in revenue. And it's like hit the button and then you get your report. So 
the Brick Center and the Free Library of Philadelphia, if you can get in there, is amazing because there's just all this data at your hands that you didn't even know existed. And then there's programs like the 10,000 Small Businesses Program for Goldman Sachs. Like if you can get into that, not only do you learn a ton, but, you know, my cohort, I think there was 26 of us. You know, just you meet these 26 amazing people and everyone's running a different kind of business. And who is like a third generation of a business that has been around for 50 years? And who is this dude to quit his job as a VP of a tech company to start a skincare brand? And who's an artist and who's that? And, you know, it's just like this amazing mix of all ages, races, genders, everything. And you just sit down and you're like, oh, crap, we all have the same problems. We all have the same like hiring issues. We all have the same operational issues. And you know, I've come away, came away with that with so many amazing friends that I bounce ideas off of to this day. So if you can get into a group like that, that's amazing. And, you know, I started my own group as far as entrepreneurs. Like after I got out, I love that ability to sit down with people going through the shit just like you are. So I started a group of like 12 of us and there are 12 amazing people we meet monthly. You know, we were in person. Now it's over sort of Zoom. And you just got to be around people who... I like to mix it up or who are way more successful than you are because you have to have this aspirational sort of reach. But then also there's people who are just starting out who you could be that resource to. Because again, like I didn't create the fire. The fire was handed to me from other people. And my job is to hand it off to someone else. And like, if I don't, then again, I go back to that. You're a shitty person and I don't want to be a shitty person. I want to give all I can to help everyone because I know what it was like to be starting out and also talk to people who are so much further advanced than I am to be like, Hey, can you like, can you, I need a little bit of the fire. And I always look at it that way. Like, you know, like when you hoard information, that's just like someone who's scared and I don't want to run the business that way. I want to be like open and honest and transparent and transparent to a fault sometimes. But you know what? Like, I don't want to be a version of myself talking right now to you. than I'm not when I go upstairs and like hang out with my wife and kids, I want to be the same person. Um, and some people can do that and some people are not comfortable doing that and whatever. I'm not here to judge, but like, that's, if I'm going to do it, that's the way I'm going to do it. Absolutely. That's incredible. And such good resources other than Brene Brown that you mentioned, do you have any other favorite books or podcasts for business? So I love Brene Brown. I love Simon Sinek. I was lucky enough to see Simon Sinek in person and that sort of changed my life just to hear him. Like in, I've seen him on Ted talks and I've read his books and all of that, but just to be in the room, it was like a hundred of us and him talking to us was absolutely amazing. And to hear stories that I've never heard before, that was great. And the owner of the company that I worked for before was kind enough to invite me to that. Cause he knew I was a huge fan. Um, Gary V is a huge person that I sort of like, I pay attention to sometimes it's too much because he's put so much content out there every single day. But I always like to say like, he says the thing that I know the answer to in my head, but sometimes it's clouded and he just says it in such a like matter of fact down to earth way where you're like, oh shit, like he's saying exactly what I know, but someone who's like so much more experienced and successful than I am. Like, I just need to like, listen to that and go with it. And quite honestly, like I started the company because of him, my wife, heard him being interviewed and told me about him years and years ago. And then I started to like pay attention and I was listening to one of his talks and he said, there's no better time than to start a business than right now, mainly because of social media and the internet. You can run a business from 6 PM to midnight and still have a nine to five job and you can work it all weekend and during the day and at night because it's all online. And that's how I started the business. And his whole thing was like, 
You just have to sacrifice leisure. When your friends are binge watching a show on Netflix, you're going to be working. And if you can do that, that's amazing. If you can't, if you're self-aware enough to know that I can't be that person, well, then just don't do it. But don't complain about your day job or about your life because the tools are out there for you to change your life. And I remember hearing that and being like, shit, I'm going to start this company. And that's really what sort of started the snowball of me thinking about doing Franklin and Whitman. And um, yeah, so I'm a huge fan of his. I'm a huge fan of his. So cool. And our last question is, where can everyone find you? So on Instagram first, you know, our account is Frank and Wit because Franklin and Whitman was too long, too many characters. And I remember creating that one day and being like, oh, I'll change it to something else. And then like, it just became that. And everyone refers to us as Frank and Wit to a point where I remember one day I was driving down the road and I'm like, I don't own frankandwit.com. And I literally pulled over on the highway and like got on GoDaddy and bought frankandwit.com uh, and forwarded it to franklinandwitman.com. So um, you can find us on our website at franklinandwitman.com or frankandwit.com. We're also in 13 Whole Foods in the Philadelphia metro area from Princeton down to the southern border of Pennsylvania. The only store we're not in in Philadelphia is the South Street store, which is the closest store to us. It's really funny, but it's it's such a small store. It's hard for them to fit in some new products. But um, yeah, so and then, you know, mainly on our website is where you can find us in small boutiques throughout the country that we have wholesale relationships with. Um, you know, they may carry one or two products or three or four um, the wellness refinery in Philadelphia and old, in old cities an amazing space run by my friend, Ashley. It's a infrared sauna, uh, location also has a cafe. They sell about like six or seven of our products. So if you're in the Philly area and you need it and you need it right now, go to whole foods or go to, um, the wellness refinery, but we're sprinkled throughout boutiques throughout the country growing like sort of our retail establishment or our wholesale brand is like the next challenge for me. Um, because we'll always be direct to consumer, but I want to be able to have it in whether it be salons or boutiques or all natural retail stores, like that's sort of the next step for us. I love that. And I can't wait to see your journey and to be part of it. Thank you so, so much for sharing so much with everybody, for inspiring everyone. If anyone has found something inspiring that really touched them, I highly encourage you to reach out to Chris on Instagram, send him a message, give him some love, shout out Frank and Wit, try their products. You're going to love them. They're in my daily routine. So thank Uh, you so, so much, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. I had such a good time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Thank you. See ya. See ya. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us for today's We Grow Together podcast. Your support means the absolute world to us. If you subscribe, rate, and review, make sure that you leave your Instagram handle somewhere in your review so that we can let you know because every single episode, every single week, we are giving away a free month at Flourish Coworking Space. And if you're not local to the area, you can still benefit because we'll also send you free access to our social media workshop and our money management workshop and anything else that we have that we can send you as a huge, huge thank you for your support. It's been 
incredible how many people have been able to leave a review. And it just makes my heart happy too that we're able to give back to the community by providing a free month at Flourish as our thank you for your support. And of course, if you feel called to, please share it with your friends. Let everybody know. Shout it from the rooftops about the We Grow Together podcast. You can share it on social media and tag us at Flourish Westchester. And you can tag me at Laura M. D. Francesco. Me, Casey, at Casey Flew. And me, Lindsay, at Sweet Green Soul. And I'm just so grateful for the community that we have, that we're able to be growing together, that we're able to be supported by such incredible people and companies like Chris and Franklin and Witt. And what were you guys' favorite takeaways from the episode? Oh my gosh, there is so many. I mean, he had so many nuggets in there that were just incredible and really inspiring. Um, I think overall, just a note at the end, we were saying, you know, with everything going on in the world, we felt heavy because it is heavy. But leaving this conversation, I felt super inspired. And I hope everyone that listened to this episode felt the same way. I think one of my favorite things he was talking about is, you know, when you're doing something that you're passionate about, you're kind of you're going to do whatever you can to make that happen, whether that's you're still working your nine to five and doing it on the side for three or four years, you know, like let that passion be your fuel to keep going. So I thought that was super powerful. I love that. And I also loved on the same topic when he was saying that your currency is how much you're enjoying the process. And that was really cool. Like in the beginning, it's not like your currency is how much fun you're having. And I just absolutely loved that he talked about being an activist CEO and what that means to him and how he has incorporated sharing and speaking up about his beliefs in his company and his platform because I think sometimes people are nervous to step over some line that they believe exists to say something in the world or to stand up about something and particularly just with everything that's going on in the world. I know I at first was like, do I feel uncomfortable saying something? And those are the moments where if you feel uncomfortable saying something to embrace that and really use your life as an opportunity to be the change that you want to see in the world. And I know that that was a realization that I had come to after all the devastating losses that we've had in the Black community. And so having this conversation, especially as a leader in business and as an individual and a human who wants to be the best ancestor that I can be, I think these conversations are really important to hear how other brands are doing it, how other companies are doing it, and other leaders and individuals are navigating being the change that they want to see in the world. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. I hope that you had some amazing takeaways. Please give Chris so much love. Please check out Frank and Wit. Their products are awesome. I, like, was about to cry when I ran out of their serum. I was like, I need to order it. Um, Chris is absolutely amazing, and their products are so good. So thank you, everybody, for joining us today. I hope you have an amazing day. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week.
Cardi Francesco, founder and CEO of Dean Street Law. It's a corporate law firm that helps you with everything corporate law and has tons of free resources and guides on our website that you can find everything from protecting your company from liability, forming a startup, and the different types of entities, all the way to intellectual property and social media. So if you'd like some free information on the legal aspects of your business, head over to deanstreetlaw.com, and you can also find us on Instagram, at deanstreetlaw. We provide a lot of free information, and always feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys.